We are inching closer to a Toronto Maple Leaf hockey game. What was, when was the last one? How long ago was it? It's been 84 years. And how do I know that, JB? Well, Sheldon Keefe just told us today how his goaltenders will start this weekend. First against San Jose, followed up in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I really, just as we looked at it, we were trying to put two things, trying to get Hutchinson in a position to succeed. And we thought coming off of a practice day right into a game day uh, tomorrow is, is a good opportunity for him to do that. And then on the Campbell front, you know, as we saw when we came out of the game the other night, just managing his workload a little bit better. So day off for him yesterday, hard practice today, get himself, you know, going again today for, you know, that's two consecutive days on the ice and be ready to play on Saturday. So we just thought it made sense for both goaltenders and made sense for our team. So we had a conversation earlier in the week. What do you do with your goaltenders back-to-back, the first one of the season, and Omarazic? He's gone for two weeks. Michael Hutchinson's in play here. We knew he was going to get a game. I said, Hutchinson, Friday night. And you said, no, you got to go with the Babcock theory. Well, Sammy's the one who's hard on the Babcock theory with the, uh, you know, get your get your two points. Got to get your two. Sammy, how are you feeling about the, yeah. the keep decision? Uh, you know. I Don't go I, soft on I us think, now, Sammy. <laughs> this is getting this is, No, this is tell getting us cute. how you feel. This is getting cute. You know, I you got a rested Leafs team who hasn't played in however long, um, since 84 years, like you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got a back-to-back Sharks team. They play the Sens tonight. They're coming in here on, uh, on you know, back-to-back night on a Friday night. Just play your better goalie. Get the two points. Get the win. I don't understand trying to get cute here and going for the, you know, see what happens on Saturday night. I just completely philosophically disagree with this decision. And it's not that big a deal, I guess, but it's just, I just don't think it's the right move to put your backup goalie in the first game, especially at home. If this was uh, in Pittsburgh and against San Jose and it was flipped or whatever, I would understand it. But no, I don't think it's the right call, but I don't know if it's that big a deal. You think it's that big a deal, boys? Well, if they go 0 and 2, it's a big friggin' deal. <laughs> if yeah. they lose both games, it's a big deal. Yeah, the so I, I'm um, I'm torn on this because I I understand the logic of both ways to go. I don't think that there is a wrong way or a right way to go. What I do think is that it's it, it's not a snap. The decision doesn't come quickly. Like they've clearly thought about this. Like you heard Keith talk about Campbell's workload, and that was part of the decision is giving him an extra day off during the week then do a hard practice. Let them get back on the ice the next day. Like they're trying to put everyone in a position to succeed. It's all about that positive momentum, right? Get Hutch off on a good start. This is the Sharks team that'll be coming off a back-to-back. Hutch can go in if he can play well. Maybe he gets that confidence that they can use him more. He can give him a couple of wins rather than two seasons ago when he gave them roughly no points and a couple of points would have made a world of difference. For me, it's just as simple as you should beat San Jose Sharks at home with or without Jack Campbell. Yeah. You sh- your team should be strong enough. It's practiced all week. You're, 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 there's a great buildup to a Friday night. You expect a great start, and you expect a capable goalie to make the saves that he's supposed to make, and that should be enough to win. Therefore, you have your best goalie 
for the Pittsburgh Penguins where we don't even believe uh, Crosby's going to be playing on Saturday not, night. Yeah. Okay, so there you go. That's that's it in a nutshell. It's that simple. I still should be able to beat San Jose, and now I can legitimately think I can take four points this weekend. Yeah. There's this whole thing about, like, you should still beat, like, the Leafs should have still beat Montreal without Tavares, right? And you should still, a good team should find a way and all that. I, I just, I do understand the other side of it where it's like, take nothing for granted in this league. Get your points when you can get your points. You know, Sam made the comparison to Charlie Montoyo and the Blue Jays constantly managing for the next day, trying to have guys available. And we're worried about, you know, setting themselves the next day, like win today, win today. So I understand that aspect of it too. I actually don't have like a particularly polar opinion on it, but it, I, I know some people do semi included. I found uh, Sheldon Keefe very revealing in, in that clip that we just listened to. And, and you, you said it in a position to succeed. It's not often that you hear that. Mm-hmm. And, and, that's a people thing in, in with more, them. They want people to in, succeed. In more uh, depth that I've been accustomed to hearing uh, out of a coach on the reasoning. Because in the past, it's just, yeah, we're, we're playing Michael Hutchinson. And that's it. And nothing else. And it's go in there and win. Putting you in a position to succeed. No. All I'm thinking about is putting us in a position to win. And if you're yeah. good, great. If you're not, then we got an issue. Yeah. But I think this kind of tends a little bit to the philosophy of the Leafs on being a, a little bit more supportive or at least revealing more of themselves to the players. I, it's for, Personally, I'm sure it's nice for Michael Hutchison to hear your coach saying that they want to put you in a position to succeed. Maybe that's enough to fire him up or, or come up yeah. with a big win because it's not, we're not used to hearing that JB over the years. Well, it's a philosophical thing within the organization that they believe that if people feel supported and cared for, they will be the best versions of themselves and then they'll get the best hockey players. You know, that it's sort of a reverse way of thinking, you know, from when my dad played and maybe when you played and even when I played a bit where it was like, we don't care how you're doing as a person or individually at all, we, the Toronto Maple Leafs are trying to win. So we're going to throw out whoever we want, whenever we want. Don't come ask me about your minutes. Don't come ask me about your line mates. We are trying to win and you are not, you know, whatever. Now it's a whole lot of the individuals want, they have questions. They, they want to, you know, talk it said that on our, on our show, like players today want things explained to them. They want, they, you know, they need the answer to why sometimes and the Leafs believe and I saw this in my time with Kyle and Sheldon, that connecting with people was a priority and they believed it will lead to the best version of the players. How do you think that's the case or? Well, it's, it's an interesting philosophy in 2021 and you're right. The, the players have evolved and funny after talking about my, Lou yesterday, my era was just, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Yeah. And today's era, the players is, Tell me what to do, and I'll think about whether or not (laughs) I want to do it that way or not. You know, and sell it on me. How about this? How about in the with the Marlies in playoffs? We had a power play meeting where we closed the door. The players came in the room, and they talked about the power play. Like, not going to say they they made the decisions, but they led the meeting. What do you see? What do you think we should do? What do we? You know, like the players had the control to to make the call on their power play. 
That's that never would have happened when I played. Well, it, it's uh, it's interesting because you know, as as you were saying that, I do recall reading an article on the Marley head coach Greg Moore yes, in the Athletic of that ilk, and it's uh, by Joshua Cloak. And I, I found it really interesting in, in the overall mindset of the organization now. And this is exactly what you're talking about in terms of in terms of our development of the player. Development and, of the uh, player first. Do you, do you develop players uh, by making them – do you develop more players or make them better – by making them feel good or feel bad. <laughs> I'm, I'm from the school of feel bad. Yeah, get motivated. But, you Throw know, into the fire. you 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 start, you read some of the uh the quotes from Greg Moore and man, oh man, and I I'm just digging one up right now and it's uh uh one of the questions is what what's the first thing that you said to your 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 team on day 1? And he said the real big message was about how we are conducting ourselves as people and how we're connecting and building relationships player to player, player to staff, staff to staff, and being a good person. And that's what's first and foremost. And as I'm reading this, I'm looking around wondering, am I getting punked here? (laughs) Is there going to be like six guys behind a curtain start laughing at me when I'm reading this going, ah, we almost got you. Because that was not my world growing up. Yeah. First and foremost. People as head of players. First and foremost, win. That's it. Yeah. Not the people thing. Winning is first. And this one's a different philosophy, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Who know you know I struggle with this because I really you know I am very much and I and you are too I'm not saying you're not but like you know pro the changes in in considering mental health and the individual and anxieties and and trying to develop people is it you know if if you don't win the the championship which thirty teams are not going to at least at the end of the day you can feel good about the progress you've done with humanity however you are paid to do a job and your job is to win and you have a boss and the, you know, the big, the guys at the top of the chain are trying to make money and that's what they hired you to do was win. So I understand if at the end of the day, sometimes some people, I, for one, am of the the mind that Mike Babcock didn't leave Toronto such an evil man because he was a a little bit hard to hold Mitchie one time or, you know, a guy in Detroit thought he was too hard on him. Like I'm okay with some fairly fair to say manipulation in some cases of players I'm okay with it, but because I'm so progressive with the rest of society, maybe those two things, I struggle with this. I don't know what the right answer is. I'm not going to remember Babcock and Mitch Marner. I'm not going to remember Babcock and ice time, uh, lack of ice time for star players in those first few years. All I'm going to remember is he didn't win. He didn't get the job done. That's it. Yeah. And that... It's it's a means, right? How do you get there? And often we said in my era, again, I hate to say that, but, you know, the, the Keenans, the Pat Burns. Uh, Al Arbor was no better. He talked to my dad and his yeah, guys. Yeah, but he had a shelf life. Yeah. Maybe 
uh, well, we're talking about 70s and 80s with the, the, the success rate of Al Arbor. But in the, in the 90s, those guys were like three years and done mm-hmm. because the players just had enough of it. Right. And it today, I think you, you got to be hybrid, right? You got to have a little bit of everything. And we had this conversation, I guess, yesterday, but uh, you, you got to keep them guessing sometimes. You get to keep them on their toes. And Gomez got into that big time with Lou Lamarillo. It's like, can't read him. Well, if you can't read him, then Lou thinks that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. You know what Lou's staple is? One of his lines is, uh, if you have to ask the question, you already know the answer. So it's like, should I stay out for one more beer? Well, if you're even asking yourself the question, you know the answer is no. You know, and it's a, it's like that. Should I should I shave or not shave? Uh, you know, I've got a couple days of stubble. If you have to ask the question, you already know the answer. You better shave. <laughs> you know, like it's it, it's a good theory. You put people in a position where they know the answer. Do the right thing. That's all we're trying to get you to do. So, Sammy, in between games from Monday to Friday, I gave you homework. Do you remember the homework? Uh, I was never good at homework, Kip. Oh my <laughs> god, the six o'clock game. Yeah. No, why? I never found out. Why? I sent why? a couple texts to my sources. So, my sources sucked. They never got back to me. No one on the Twitter. So uh, I am correct. Tomorrow night is a 6 p.m. start. Yes, sir. Now, has anyone noticed at all that the Toronto Maple Leafs, which is arguably the most successful fr- uh, hockey franchise in hockey history, has not sold out their games yet. This is a massive story that is uh, not being told right now. The Leafs aren't selling out home games. So, like, are, are, Sammy, how, how many? We're, we're only talking about maybe a, a couple hundred tickets a game. Mm, a few more. So, opening night against Montreal Canadiens was the highly most highly attended game. That was eighteen thousand four ninety three. And according to my uh, research, aka googling it. Um, the Scotiabank with a uh, Scotiabank arena capacity with standing room is two, uh, 20,200. So, uh, the attendance on, uh, the opening night was 18,493 versus, um, the Ottawa senators on Saturday night. It was 18,211 and against the Rangers on Monday, when you two fellows were in attendance and didn't invite me, it was 18,098. So we're talking uh, about 2,000 tickets a game. Yeah. It's not in the hundreds, thousands. So that's, I, uh, that's a nice chunk of change, isn't it? Sure. At their, those ticket prices. So then what do you, do you guys think it's uh, people still afraid of being in crowds? Uh, the, the vaccination uh, mandatory to get into the arena? Uh, Less passion, people a little more apathetic towards the least. What do you think the biggest contributor is? Yeah. Off the top of my head, I got to think that uh, that it's got to be that from, from a downtown perspective, it, it's, it's like half – there's like less, just less people less, in at less work, people. less people less going people. to restaurants, and, less and people And in particular, downtown. when we're talking about uh, the driving force of the tickets that have gone up over the years for, for Leaf fans has been Bay Street. Yeah. And people in suits. If they're not downtown, if they're not downtown and they're at home, so are a lot of these people in... Mississauga, Richmond Hill, Aurora, will they come downtown to go to a game? It's easier than ever. It's parking now. 
I, I don't know. I, I think I think it, it's pandemic driven in it with a ripple effect. Not necessarily that they're scared, but it's an effort. It's an effort now. People are more comfortable in their homes. They've put they've put more money in their homes, yeah. right? And uh, and maybe they're just comfortable watching it on TV. Let's take it right to Gord Stellick. Gord, welcome Gord. to the show. Stelectricity is now joining us, co-host of Leaf Nation pre and post. Uh, you're the perfect guy to ask, a Torontonian through and through. Okay, why haven't the Leafs sold out games? Uh, that's an interesting question. And, you know, years ago when um, Stan Abodiak was the publicity director and they had that streak of years and years of complete sellouts, that actually wasn't the case. Gord's in the box office manager said they'd gone to bed usually with unsold gray seats, which were the worst seats. So whatever that record was, it did happen from time to time. This is an interesting one. And I heard you, you guys talking about it. Um, I think there's a, a couple of things that one is uh, how quickly things change that you're allowed a full house. And there's the excitement of people wanting to go to the game, but then maybe not being prepared or ready to go to the games. And that may be it, like to saying, you know something, I heard you just talking about that. I'm, I'm going to ease into it. Right now I'm going to enjoy the comfort of uh, my own place watching the games. In, uh, at Rogers Center, the Jays never had a full house. It was like 15,000 or whatever it may be. It was like one-third capacity. And then, Kippy, the other thing is um, there, there's something about, I guess, I guess some people were allowed to defer their season tickets for a year. Is that right? Uh, that would be um, big. Right, I, I don't know, but defer meaning would still count as attended, as a sold seat. Well, the, you, just, see, you just didn't so pay for what you weren't getting. Well, but but like I don't know if that's the case that they because of COVID, you know some because before hey if you're if you got a chance to get seasons tickets uh, historically you're you're going to take them not give them up you're going to divvy them up you're going to do whatever okay they're gold, but I don't know if there's something about that some people got a chance to defer for a year. So there's an X number of tickets that are kind of back out there for the normally we're season ticket holders. I don't know. So, um, so I, you know, I mean, it's, and then the other part is how many people are in the air Canada club or wherever that aren't coming back up, you know? So, I mean, I, I don't like, I, I just think it kind of goes with the territory about coming out of COVID world. I also know, you know, we used to always have sellouts, but there'd be softer tickets and harder tickets in the start of the season was always a softer ticket. I, you know, it just was one that wasn't, wasn't in high demand even way back when. Any, any uh, merit to the theory that maybe some Leaf fans are still pissed off of blowing a 3-1 lead to Montreal and it buys into the, I don't care, I don't care about the regular se- season theory? Well, there's some of that, Kippy. You know, like it's uh, uh, like 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 I got to think when you go down there. I know people that have gone down down there, and I, I like going to live events. I'm I'm really valuing it after not having it for 19 months. But you know, you how many times and people say, "Well, don't go over that again." But you continually have had the worst game played is a game seven or against Columbus, a game five, and, and uh, so now you're you're kind of looking at it and you're saying, okay. Uh, you know, they, the playoffs, the way Montreal's playing right now, the Leafs are going to get back into the playoffs in the Atlantic division with Florida, Tampa Bay, Boston is how it looks. And, you know, I'm still pissed off and I, I, I need to see a playoff series win. I mean, 
the 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 one positive was that time when they way back when when they beat Washington or up two to one against Washington. Remember, because Perry Capitan scored that goal and put them up two one. Then Washington won the series, and it was kind of like, okay, okay, that's the first round loss we can handle, and you know it's fun, and we're on the way. And then every year uh, it's been it's been something similar. And yeah, so so there's a part of that, Kippy, and 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 uh, uh, that that and Borny that you know guys that and girls just. You know, it's just a script. They get a little bit tired of it. I, 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 I see as time goes, hey, Austin Matthews is a treasure to watch. Mitch Marner is a top five score. I mean, there's just a lot of skill and talent in that. But, yeah, there, that, that, this was a little too bitter a pill to swallow, this last one. Yeah, for sure. One of, one of the things that, you know, one of the superstars that doesn't get mentioned as much, John Tavares, we've talked on this show about, you know, uh-oh, like what if this is the start of a decline? It hasn't been awesome statistically, but he's had a ton of chances. One thing I was wondering about was the power play, Gord. You're there watching every game. So last game, the other four guys in the power play all get three or four shot attempts. You know, Riley, Marner, Matthews, Willie, Tavares gets zero. How do you feel about how he's been used with this team so far and his lack of production and, and what to expect the rest of the way? Okay, first of all, uh, Justin, it's great having Tavares healthy. Kippy, what's the update on the woman whose foot Barney stepped on at the alumni box? Like, how long is she out? She's four to six months. Oh, yeah, my goodness. Yeah, okay. yeah. She, yeah. We'll be lucky to see her by the end of the year. She's Kucherov. She'll be back right. for playoffs. As soon, <laughs> soon, soon as we uh, lose the salary cap, she'll be right back. <laughs> anyway, I love that story. Because oh, uh, you're like the nicest guy in the world, Justin. Yeah. Okay. I still feel so, bad. Thanks for bringing and, it up. And just around that, Kippy, when I'm listening to you guys, and, and, and you had Bunkus on then and that, and then like you're talking about a power play that – you know, Kippy was articulate. You guys were chatting about like it just seems there just seems to be a disconnect about what they're tr- being coached to do or trying to do, and just not executing. And and it 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 almost like I I don't I can't say there's philosophical differences. I have no idea. I have no idea. But you know, you talked in particular. Like I love Tavares's ability to go to the greasy area, right? I, I love that when he was with the New York Islanders and you'd watch him play in Toronto and how he competed and how hard he was and how hard he worked in those greasy areas that not everybody goes to. So like we're only whatever number of games in four games in. So there's way too much scrutiny on the minutia of teams of individuals. Just ask the Montreal Canadians uh, and, and of things like the power play. But this is something that, you know, we're picking up from last year. This is something we're picking up from the playoffs. And this is something that was, was a lock the first six weeks last year in the regular season. And I don't get it whether it's your, your point about John Tavares or the power play in general, I don't get what the hell's happened. Gord, we debated uh, earlier in the week, uh, Campbell or Hutchinson first, Friday, Saturday, back-to-back. Uh, we're split here. Uh, you settle it for us. I, I think you got to go Campbell at home. Like, I, I, I think, you know, I really, like, I like Michael Hutchinson. I like him as the number three goaltender. I think last year, that there was a time when he got out of the year before when it just didn't happen for him. I still think there's that fear that a crowd could turn on um, a number three goaltender a little quicker, be a little bit impatient. Uh, you can, you know, you look at Pittsburgh, that's a, that's a technically bigger game. It's not a divisional game, but it's a conference game. But uh, I, I would, I would put Campbell in with the hometown and uh, then I put Hutchison on Saturday and then you have Campbell can play the rest of the road trip. 
do you have uh, confidence in Campbell's ability that this is the real deal? What we saw last season, this year, if he plays 60 games, 55 games, maybe, is it, uh, do you, is it fair to expect him to keep this up? I think it's fair, Justin, but there, there is no track record. So that's right. always a new animal, isn't it? Right. That, 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 um, you know, we'll see at the end of the year, certainly last year. And Hey man, they, they would have been stuck if he couldn't play. I know it was not a 60 game season that he played, but you know, Freddie was hurt for such a chunk of it. And, you know, we, again, because of this, this end that they all wish we'd get over, but a lot of fans can't, you forget about some really great things during the regular season, whether it's Austin Matthews winning the Rocker Bouchard trophy or Jack Campbell, like, Johnny Bauer type numbers, like God rest Johnny Bauer's soul. Jack Campbell was up there with with how great he played. But the next part, yeah, he's he's never done it historically. Um, I have you know confidence he can do it, but let's wait and see. How many games do you think Johnny missed because of a pulled groin? I bet you none. I you know I bet you none. And the other thing is, by the end of his career, he wasn't catching pucks anymore. He was knocking them down because. The equipment with the gloves were so crappy that it hurt his hand. And if you, if you ever shook, you had to shake one hand, not the other, because his fingers were bigger on the glove hand The what happened from all those years. So, you, so you're right about that, that, you know, it, it, would, it would take a lot in those days for a goaltender to miss a game. And uh, Johnny Bauer missed very, very few. What a great name. Like Sandy Koufax, Whitey Ford from that era. It's Just a, what a great name. Johnny awesome. Bauer. Johnny Bauer. Gosh. Jack Campbell's not bad either. I mean, it's got a little bit of uh, you know, it's not Justin Bourne, though. It's not <laughs> Justin <laughs> Bourne. I mean, these you guys all could be spies with these with these handles. Speaking of cool handles, can we talk about uh, Jake Muzzin and your belief in uh, in Jake Muzzin's ability to be the anchor they need for this def- defense? Because so far. He's been a little leaky. This is the guy they rely on. And we talked about injuries with Campbell. Muzzin's a guy who's had some injuries that have kind of happened non-contact. What are your thoughts on his play so far? Still too small sample to be digging in? Yeah, but that's the reality, Justin. That's what I say. That, you know, that's why it's good for teams like Buffalo and that getting off to good starts because otherwise you're really screwed. If you're like, you know, if you're 0-3 or if you're a player that's, Hey, what Nathan McKinnon was he minus five or whatever? Jeez, yeah. Zidane Chara was minus five one game, you know, with the Islanders. So uh, again, it, it it goes to the minutia of things. Like that was a great game on Monday. Uh, that that was entertaining. Uh, great goaltender the other side. Jack Campbell made some big saves when needed. And so right now, you know, that line about the Leafs are what you expect the Leafs to be really. I mean, you, you want to see, you know, the scores are going to break out at some point and you want to see that, you know, the big game where they get like a six, one win or six, two win and that. And uh, yeah, I have. So if you're, if you're grading guys after the game, yeah, Jack, Jack, uh, Jake Muzzin probably is under his, what his normal grade will be. But again, I'm not, I'm not worried four games in cause I'm, I'm used to, I, I know when you're four and oh and how things can turn around in a hurry, it can be an ugly season. And I know when you're oh and four and you get back on track and it could be a positive, I, I don't worry about Jake Muzzin. I want to switch gears a little bit and get your general manager's hat on and watching okay. Mark Bergevin in Montreal call a press conference after four games. Now, as a general manager, what's the kind of the code for how many of these you want to have a year? I I go two maybe or, or three if you're really feeling it all season long. But do you really want to play that card four games in? Yeah, it's kind of like the players only meetings, how many you can do, you know, it's not that they've lost four in a row. What have they been outscored? Thirteen to fourteen to three or something? Like 
Like, you know, the only good story is Jonathan Druin scored two of those three goals. So uh, we know they're missing Carey Price. We know they're missing Shea Weber. We know they're missing Joel Edmondson. Um, I, I was a little bit surprised, you know, Kippy and Justin. Montreal, traditionally, that's what they never did. And then the one time they did it really screwed them up because out of the blue, back, what was it, in 95 or 96, they fired Serge Savard and Jacques Demers like five games. Remember that five games into the regular season and put Rajon Newell and Mario Tremblay. Ultimately, Mario Tremblay was going to show who whose boss was, and it cost them Patrick Waugh, right? And and they don't normally do those kind of things. The, the stability there. So it's you know, Kippy, it's 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 a fine line here, but it really this is a guy that made a coaching change when we didn't expect it last year. Okay, there seems so, to be so going that, okay. that card's gone, right? I don't. Oh, I don't. Can't, can't I fire don't. your coach this year. No, no, that's his coach. That is that is his coach, you know. So, so uh, I, I was, and uh, and then the question being asked. So the first time he acknowledged he wants to stay on as general manager, you know, that's kind of interesting. You should have you should have signed a deal see, when you're in the final. But see, uh, there, there's some uh, there's some now talking and writing articles that uh, this was when you factor in his contract situation. I found his press conference yesterday a little self serving. <laughs> Well, yeah, Kippy, you know what? Uh, and Elliot talked about it to take the heat off the team, but I think there's a fine line there. I, I, I'm with you. I'm thinking like, you know, four in kind of, but by that, that there's a, a, a guy who, who knows his motivation, but the what? fact this came out that, I, okay, now everyone knows he, because before there was this mystery, does he want to stay or not? Or well, okay. obviously it's about money. Uh, Elliot, you know, they've talked about, say, Chris Drury got a great deal with the Rangers. I'm, like, I'm not sure what the market is out there that he wants to attain, but when, when you've got four straight losses and then it you know, comes out about your future, then that kind of goes against what I'm, you seem to be out there in the first place. I, I don't buy the heat for one second. <laughs> the <laughs> heat. Four uh, games in, you have Weber gone, Price gone, Philip Deneau gone, Corey Perry gone. A young kid in Cockney gone. Everyone keeps listing these guys like they're and, coming and, back, and, by and, the way. And, they're and, not. And everybody's expecting Carious. us to win the uh, – we're expected to – like, why doesn't Bergevin go, have you seen our roster from the end of last season? Nobody expects us to make the playoffs. Who in their right mind would look at that roster and go, that's a playoff Mark roster? Bergevin. No, Bergevin. no, 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 yes, no, no. No, no, he's not that dumb. No, and further, further to that, Kippy and Justin, imagine in Toronto if you just had made the Stanley Cup final, okay, and now you're 0-4. Who would care? He just made the Stanley Cup, like, I mean, to your point, point. You know, just like, you know, give me a break. Give me a what, what, what else can you do? What's the, what's the crisis? I, I think if he had still two or three years left on his deal, there's a very good chance he doesn't have that press conference yesterday. Well, that became the big story out of it. He became the big story. So whether, you know, that's to take heat off the team, again, I think four games is way too soon. So I, I tend to think there was an element of, self mo- uh, of self-centered motivation in there, like you said, Kippy. It's crazy that we talk about players with uh, contracts that don't have extensions and what a big deal that is, but it's got to be a bigger deal when your GM doesn't because he's making decisions that don't just shape this year, but many, many years to come. It's almost, it's almost like this has to get cleared up. I wonder if this puts pressure on it that they either have to do it. There's an expression about um, something in the pot, and it needs to happen here, does it not? Well, now you made it public too, right, which is right. what you try to avoid. But there was, whenever that era started, and the coaches' union and the general manager's union uh, loved it because they, they said you cannot be a lame duck coach or a lame duck GM. There really was no rule that way. It just gave you some security, and that became the way. Well, you know, we saw uh, Tom Dundon wasn't afraid to let Rod Brindamore be a lame duck co- you know, coach, so it, there are exceptions 
to the rule nowadays that uh, owners aren't exactly quick to peel off money, particularly in the in the COVID world. So, uh, but yeah, now all of a sudden he's become a story that way. If you're you're completely in charge, and he said that yesterday, I'm still completely in charge. But then you don't know if you're going to, you know, Steve Eiserman kind of gave a year. The Steve Eiserman trend transition was great in Tampa Bay. He introduced his successor. He was around. Then a year later, he went to Detroit, right? This one, what, you're going to, you're going to wait and see how he feels come June 1st before the draft? Well, where's, uh, I don't know so much. And, and where's uh, Jeff Molson in the ownership group on if, if I'm not willing to pay you what you think you're worth, and that's all that's happening right now, no question in my mind, then where's the exit strategy here? It's not like you're looking at this roster going, it's going to go, it's going to get a heck of a lot better here. So why, why does he still have the strings and why would you let him keep the strings all season long only to give the next guy who comes in less time to prepare? Yeah. Kippy, this has brought it to me. This has brought it to a head. You made it public and now it's going to be a distraction and general managers, what you want to eliminate is distractions. That's what you try to eliminate from the players is distractions, distractions in the dressing room, and now you've created a big one and, uh, and gone public with it. Yeah, so I, I, I think you know, maybe, that, maybe that's his point. This gets addressed in the, in the next couple of weeks, and, and, uh, uh, and, and maybe that's the way to go. We'll see. But otherwise, it's going to come up every single time, and that's why Columbus traded Seth Jones, because as a player, you could not have that out there every single game about him becoming uh, an impending unrestricted free agent. And this is a, this is a general manager's version, kind of. So, Gord, the Canadians have changed our opinion of them. Well, not all of our opinion, but most people have changed their opinion on the Canadians after four terrible games. Do you look at anyone else in the division and think, huh, maybe I had them wrong. Buffalo's been good. Detroit's been good. Ottawa's been good. Is there anyone that you think maybe they're better or worse than uh, what you'd anticipated going into the year? No, I still see it. You know, I mean, Ottawa's the interesting one. I'm glad they got Kachuk signed. If they get, if they get half-decent goaltending, you know, I, I'm curious what kind of strides they can make and they compete for the fourth spot. But the other ones, uh, I, I don't want to see any team having a terrible year. I know what it's like to be involved when it's a horrible year. That's not fun. That's not fun for the fans. So I, I hope there's compete in Detroit and Buffalo's got phenomenal fans that, you know, that they do improve. But to me, they're still out of the playoffs. And the, the only one, like I put Ottawa probably above Montreal about having a little bit of bite. I just, you know, I just, hey, Montreal, it was great what they did last year, but it's just, uh, it's just not going to happen this year. And I said that before they were 0-4. All right, Stelectricity, we're running out of time here, buddy. Hey, always a pleasure. And, uh, yes. <laughs> are, you, are you all right? <laughs> He's getting ele- is that the allow? We're getting electrocuted for still electricity uh, here. Did, did, you, did you lick your finger and stick it in the socket? No, we didn't pay the hydro bill, so I better go do that. And, <laughs> hey, don't forget, 6 o'clock start tomorrow. We get an extra hour of sleep okay. after, right? So we, we, uh, we, we asked Sammy. His homework was to find out why the hell is it 6 o'clock? It's seriously, seriously. It's because they want to get an extra hour of sleep for the Pittsburgh game, and they and and I'm I'm, I'm serious and about you know things about going still flying to the states for the first time and possible delays in that. So oh. that's part of it. I mean they they they've got that sleep specialist now along with fitness people, and that that is part of it. They wanted to even though it's a short flight, uh, that that's a big reason. See, Sammy, Gordo did his homework. <laughs> yeah, always listen to Gord over me. That's no, there's no debate there. All right, Gord Stalick, everybody, co-host of Leaf Nation, pre and post game right here on the Fan 590. Thanks. See you guys. Thanks, Gord. All right.
I'm flabbergasted. I don't really buy his uh, six o'clock theory. I do. I 100% believe it. You do. I know how sleep obsessed that team is. <laughs> <laughs> the real thing. You're, yeah. you're serious. Dead serious. I, I genuinely so believe that this is a performance-based thing. So if they were short 2,000 tickets the other night, what's six o'clock going to do for them? <laughs> I think they're saying we're the Toronto Maple Leafs. We don't care about selling tickets. Have dinner at home. Yeah. I genuinely believe that they are thinking it will give them a better chance to win on Saturday night, and so that's why they're doing it. You're listening to Real Kipper and Bourne.